Welcome to The Manifest, an occasional podcast all about package management. My name's Alex Pounds. And I'm Andrew Nesbitt. And together, we're talking with folk from the world of package management. We're exploring the technical details, hearing the stories and history of their projects, and learning about the communities around them too. Today, we're joined by Wolf Wolprecht, the creator of Mamba, a package manager that's part of the Conda ecosystem, also a core member of the Conda Forge project, and one of the organizers of the upcoming Packaging Con, a virtual conference all about package management. Wolf, welcome to the podcast. Hello. So Wolf, you've done a lot around the scientific packaging space. Do you want to give us the overview and how you got started in doing Mamba, working on Condaforge and these related projects? Yeah, so I started at the company called Quantstack in Paris after I finished my master's studies. And they were already using Conda and specifically Conda Forge to distribute the software that we were working on. And the main software that we were working on at that time, or I was working on, was a software called Xtensor, which is a scientific library similar to NumPy, but in C++. As the company, basically, we were also involved in maintaining quite a few other packages on Conda Forge for the scientific ecosystem. Especially, we are very active in the Jupyter community, which is an interactive computing platform. It's distributed over PyPI and ConnorForge. And so we are maintaining quite a few of the packages for the Jupyter ecosystem over there. And that's how I got involved in the Conda ecosystem, let's say. I'm not sure if all listeners are familiar with Conda. Conda is a package manager that is cross-platform and cross-language. So it's like APT in the sense that there are binary packages or DNF on Fedora. It's like a Linux package manager, let's say. But it also works on Windows and macOS. And most people think that Conda is something specific to Python, but it's not true. It's actually managing um, native binaries for different programming languages, most prominently C and C++, obviously, but also Fortran is a possibility, and even Rust or Lua or Go are distributed as Conda packages. So why would people choose to use Conda for their package management over one of the other language-specific or operating-specific package managers? Many language-specific package managers don't distribute binary packages, I would say. It's not true for all of them. And for example, Python has recently got this capability of shipping wheels, which are pre-compiled, but for a long time, basically before Conda was created, I think the Python package manager, for example, was not shipping binary files. And obviously there's a lot of power uh, if you have a cross-language package manager because it makes it much easier to combine different packages from different ecosystems or languages. And also the way maintenance of the packages works is kind of different in the ConnorForge community because with a language-based package manager, you usually have the person that writes the source code upload the package. And with ConnorForge, it's more like a Linux distribution in the sense that you have a specialized packaging community that takes care of the packages themselves. And does that make it easier to distribute complete systems via the package manager where you can say, oh, I want to pull in these Python packages for my program, but I'm also going to need, say, Redis on the side as well? Yeah, you can have exactly that. You can combine Python and Redis easily because you can just install them as packages. 
Anconda makes other things easy or nice because it has a real SAT solver to solve for package dependencies, but you can also create environment files to recreate accurately the environment from one computer to another one. And you can pin down versions to basically arrange or exact versions that you know that they work. So those are features that maybe not all language-specific package managers even have. So Conda Forge is a community-run project. Is it kind of complementary to the Conda registry that is maintained by the people that run Conda? Conda Forge is in some ways completely independent from Anaconda. So Anaconda is the company behind the Conda package manager. And Anaconda also has a website called anaconda.org, which has different channels for the Conda package manager. And the channel is similar to a PPA, let's say in the Ubuntu world, basically a collection of packages. Anaconda hosts those packages and Conda Forge is one channel on the Anaconda.org platform. Uh, but there, there's uh, Anaconda people helping out in the Conda Forge community and the Anaconda channel basically also takes recipes from the Conda Forge community. So there's an exchange between Anaconda the company and Conda Forge as the community project around the Conda package manager. Out of interest, Wolf, do you know how big the Conda repository is? It's over 10k packages at least. And if you're talking about uh, size in terabytes, then the last time I checked, it's like three and a half. But uh, just to note that I'm talking about the Conda Forge channel here. So there are other channels that are also large or have lots of packages. Do you know roughly how much bandwidth gets taken up per day? I actually don't, but it's quite a lot. And it's also difficult to reliably like run the servers and we see downtimes and there's also a CDN involved and a cloning step to the CDN so that uh, the packages are close to the users and all of this. And it's quite complex. And luckily, this is all taken care of the Anaconda uh, company that runs this for us as the community. But yeah, it's definitely a lot of work and engineering that has to go into doing this. How does this lead into Mamba as a re-implementation of Conda? Conda Forge as a channel on Anaconda was growing quite fast and large. And one of the unique things about Conda Forge is that we are never deleting packages. So the packages are just there forever. And that makes the channel even bigger because with other Linux distributions, for example, you reset the state at certain points and you only have fewer packages because you make a large release every year or so. But with Conda Forge, we want to enable, for example, reproducible signs. So packages should stay there forever and the SAT solver should take care of figuring out the upper bounds of package versions to install and stuff like this. And this growth has led to some problems with the Python implementation of Conda and especially at the solving step which was getting slower and slower. And basically, I had this idea of trying to use another library called libsolve, which is also used in the Linux world, for example, in the DNF package manager. And I wanted to explore if we could use libsolve to solve these Conda dependencies. And that kind of started this entire Mamba development where we tried to use libsolve and started to re-implement things in C and C++. 
because libself is written in C and it's really fast. And gradually, we also re-implemented basically everything else that's necessary for the Conda package management experience in C++. And that has quite some advantages in terms of speed. But the biggest advantage really is to use libsolf. I'm curious about the cross-compatibility here in the sense that you've got the official Conda implementation, which has one particular solver, and you have the new Mamba implementation, which is using a different solving engine. So presumably they can come up with different valid combinations of packages depending on which one you're using. Does that play into the compatibility question? Like, is it a case of if you produce a different lock file with different versions defined, that's completely fine? Or do you ever hit any issues where it's like, oh, the Python version produces one answer and the C++ version produces another answer and that breaks that compatibility somehow? As you mentioned, there's the possibility of finding different solutions. And I've compared quite a few Conda resolutions with Mamba resolutions or Libsolve, let's say. And yes, they are sometimes different, but usually both are valid. It's just that they go into different local minimas. And I think that's expected and fine. And we haven't seen major problems for quite a long time now with the resolutions that Mamba gives. When you... uh kind of in the initial stages of experimenting with Libsolve, did you consider contributing Libsolve as a solver directly to Conda? Absolutely, I did consider that. But at the time, there was quite a bit of worry in the Conda community because they have to support uh, very old installations and have to be backwards compatible for a long time. And starting Mamba made it much more easy to experiment with new features. Also, the solver in Conda is somewhat pluggable, but not exactly at this point. Right now, there's an enhancement proposal going to make it more pluggable and integrating the same solver as Mamba has. But at the time when I started, it was not really easy to integrate this different solver into Conda itself. And starting a, a different project had some benefits, especially around um, quick experimentation and breaking things. Also, the Conda release cycles are quite slow. And all this led to this different path. Yeah, that makes sense. There's a lot of cruft that comes with trying to contribute new features to existing package managers. And I mean, I'm surprised that Condor even is able to move towards more uh, modular solvers. There are so many package managers that the solver is just splattered everywhere throughout the code base and is very difficult to like extract from everything else because... It's all just built up organically. It's like ivy wrapped around a house. And if you take it down, then you pull the house down and at the same time. I guess you're primarily focused on the scientific community at the moment. Yes, we're quite focused on the scientific community. But really, Conda and Mamba are both like super general solvers or package managers. And there's nothing specific towards the scientific ecosystem, let's say, and it could just be used in any other context as well. We found pretty good adoption in the Conda Forge community of Mamba, but we are also trying to be really friendly and uh, not being bad citizens or trying to get people to move from Conda to Mamba or something like that. But people with large environments or complicated installations usually have seen quite dramatic benefits of using Mamba over Conda. 
So although Mamba doesn't have anything specific to its use in those scientific computing circles, do the scientific computing users have specific concerns or requirements? What makes a package manager more suitable for use in that programming environment? I think the scientific use in this case is defined by the packages that are available. And with Conda Forge, we just have a large scientific community that is creating packages and maintaining them for the Conda and Mamba package manager and getting the benefits of easily distributing the results for cross-platform usage so that the students can use their MacBooks or can use their Linux computers or run it on their HPC clusters, basically. Another community-oriented thing you're involved with is PackagingCon, the first installment of a conference all about package management. How did you get into organizing that? It all started on Twitter when Todd and I were discussing basically differences with spec and conda. And we were kind of thinking both that it would be nice to have a conference where we could all come together, basically, all different package managers that exist currently and discuss our problems and our solutions and how we manage communities and build scripts and all this kind of stuff. There doesn't seem to be a huge amount of sharing work between different communities on how to build and maintain package management. Was that one of the driving forces behind getting these people together? Yes, absolutely. I think so too. And I'm really quite saddened by the fact because package management is really hard. And for example, writing build scripts that work for different operating systems is also something that's really hard. And often in package management, we have to patch Uh, certain packages to make them compatible with whatever underlying operating system you have and stuff like this. And kind of sharing this knowledge and breaking down these silos would be so great because it's just a lot of wasted effort in a way to have all these different approaches and maybe we can find some common ground to bring all these communities together and see if there are things that we can develop to maybe give everybody a similar metadata format or things like this to make everyone benefit, basically. Yeah, try and get that shared understanding. Another area that, again, the podcast has been really good for is sharing those war stories where if you're not in that community when, as it goes through the growing pains of Condorforge getting so large that sat solving becomes painful, When you kind of land in a community that already has a package manager that's been through all that pain, it's not clear what had to happen and the pain the users and the maintainers had to go through to get out the other side of that with a a working solution. Uh, Sharing some of those stories is a really good way of getting everyone on the same page, but also leaving some breadcrumbs and kind of some warning flags maybe for People that come in fresh thinking, oh, it must be easy to build a package manager or at least a fun thing to do and then end up kind of going like, what have I done? I am now maintaining this thing and it's growing as more users come on board. But it's also now very hard to change because it's being used in projects and depended on as a piece of infrastructure. Yeah, and one of the challenges that you have when you're building a package manager is, for example, how to do security and how to do package signing. And uh, that's one thing that we're working on with Mamba. And this is 
a lot of work that goes into doing this. And it's kind of a wasted effort to do this over and over again, because if we have some common libraries to do this for us, to solve package management in a cross-platform way, that would be really nice to help all ecosystems, basically. And every language having to come up with their own package manager seems to be a bit of a waste of effort that could be better maybe spent to go into language development or other fun things. What do you think causes that insularity? Why do these individual package managers end up working on the same problems over and over again and not sharing their solutions? That's a difficult question. I think we can see kind of different types of package managers. One type is the Linux distribution that comes with a package manager and that the package manager is a bit defining, I guess, for the Linux distribution. And then we can also see that most programming languages tend to create their own package manager and they are cross-platform. So the package manager runs on Windows and macOS and Linux, but it doesn't work very well for any other programming languages. Those are the two kind of types of package managers. And then there are also the source package managers. And somehow it just it seems like a problem that did not yet find the like, perfect all-encompassing solution so that people seem to need to write their own package managers. And that kind of leads to this siloing because of reinventing the wheel in a way. So I have some opinions on why this happens. I don't necessarily have any solutions. One that stands out to me is that often the language package managers fit the particular structure or features of the runtime that it's built for so you could take npm in the javascript world javascript has support for first class functions so you can not necessarily you should but you can require multiple versions of the same package in your runtime without them colliding and exploding you can't do that in say python or ruby because when that module gets loaded, it goes into the global namespace. And if you try to load another version, the language would say, no, I can't do this. Different languages have different features that can be mapped onto some features or particular quirks of certain package managers, at least at the language level. Also, distros are usually put together, curated by people that didn't write all of the packages that go into them. So they're packaging up kind of an end product for the users of the operating system rather than individual authors of the packages publishing them out. You end up with kind of language package managers, often self-serve, like there's no restrictions to publishing. You don't need permission from someone else. You just grab a free name or a free namespace and publish, and then it's available to be instantly installed by whoever. With a new language, you you get the opportunity to start a new namespace and kind of, oh, I can reuse these names. Whereas if you tried to reuse, say, a, a HTTP library in Condorforge for Ruby, I'm going to have to make up a name that fits with all the existing HTTP libraries that are in Condorforge for every different other language. And you end up with some pretty verbose Ruby dash version number of Ruby dash HTTP client or similar to kind of doesn't have quite the same ring to it as being able to go, oh, well, we've got our own package manager and my library is called HTTP or similar. Creates a slight amount of tribalism, 
but also as a new language often that is kind of like people are jumping to that because it's new and it's fresh and it gives them the opportunity to start over and do a bit from scratch similar to you saying kind of cleaning out from an old version of a distro is like oh well we can we can actually clean up some of this old stuff starting a new package manager ends up being a little bit like that as well which is not helpful for the community at large and for kind of enabling this cross-language kind of sharing. But I think that's one of the big factors in why we keep seeing like languages just starting from scratch because they get some benefits of doing that and breaking away. But they also lose out by not being able to make use of existing tooling and lessons learned from other communities necessarily. Yeah, I, I think I, I totally agree on, on all points that you mentioned. And I still think that maybe packaging con can be this point where we come together and maybe try to find solutions for this. One of the interesting things that we've thought of for packaging con was to get an overview over different, let's say, axes for package managers. Maybe on the one end of the spectrum, you'd have a binary package manager. And on the other end, you have a source package manager. Uh, so that could be one like comparison axis and another one could be whether it's programming language specific or whether it's cross language, whether it works on different operating systems or not, etc. So the idea was to have a talk about these different kind of categories and then get lots of package managers to show like what their specific package manager does and try to get like really an overview over what's there and what people are doing and that will hopefully be one of the key events at packaging con to kind of give everybody a idea of what's happening in the whole world of packaging software i'm nodding along here because getting that taxonomy down a shared language for different package managers so that you're able to see like oh yes we actually do agree on this approach or we consider this to be one of the key features or drivers of the design of our package manager allows you to group them even if two package managers might not seem very similar at all because they're used for different languages which are used for different like businesses being able to look at them kind of like oh well these fit into this mental model in a similar way means that they can have a discussion regardless of what the packages that are being published are used for which is a, a good way of breaking out of the some of that siloing effect my gut feeling here is that another contributor to this is the classic programmer hubris of thinking oh i just need to install some packages how hard can that be right like you're creating a new language you want to be able to distribute your dependencies as part of that so easy just create a new package manager you just need to pull down a few other packages and unzip them basically pop them in the file system job done and it's only when you start looking into this and having that community engagement, you start realizing, oh, dependency resolution is an entire field of study all on its own. Reproducibility is another one, the cross-platform support, the security, the signing of packages, the ability to support reproducible builds, but also allow people to say, oh, I've accidentally packaged up all of my production credentials. I need to yank that package. That, I think, is something which people don't really see until they're really deep into this project or they've started tugging on this thread and the entire jumper has unraveled. Uh, and on the top of that, you might end up running some pretty large servers serving a lot of bandwidth 
you're just trying to keep those things from catching on fire all the time like any changes to the server might be breaking changes to the client so it can be really hard to fix any early mistakes or like things that you wish you could change can be really difficult to steer the ship once it's started to move back to the topic of like collaborating more i think one thing that might be missing a bit is cross-platform library to do package management which libsolve for example is kind of trying to achieve but libsolve was also linux only before we started making it working on windows and uh, mac os and kind of maybe getting a, a more libraries to do like the grunt work, let's say, of package management. That could be an interesting thing to come out of PackagingCon. So what talks do you have lined up already for PackagingCon? Actually, not so many. And we're still hoping to get many more. Um, there are people from the Condorforge community that are planning to give a talk. But hopefully all topics around packaging, obviously, um, like package management, dependency management, software supply chain attacks that we've seen recently and pipelines, uh, how you can build packages, how we are writing build scripts. Like, for example, with Condorforge, we're using CI pipelines and we have one way of formatting metadata, but hopefully we can see other ways of taking care of metadata of packages. We're super interested in reproducibility, software release methodology, for example, if you're doing LTS releases or distros or if you have a rolling release, all these kind of questions, we really hope to see lots of inspiration coming on in different talks. And we really invite everyone to submit talks that fit into this really wide category of package management. What do you think are the unsolved parts of package management? Like there's a lot of areas in this where different languages take different approaches and you have different solutions and different solvers and they might take different paths, but they all get to a valid solution. But what are the areas where we haven't figured out the correct answer yet or the way to solve certain problems? For me, the biggest problem is the metadata of packages and especially the dependencies. Usually the metadata for packages is written by humans and it's often the dependencies are imperfect because we cannot really know the future evolution of other libraries that are used by my package. And so defining upper bounds for the versions or SO versions of other libraries that are consumed by my package, that's pretty hard. And I think there are lots of small holes in most people's metadata. And it could be really interesting to have an automatic system to find these kind of upper bounds or incompatibilities between packages and package versions. This is a really interesting area to me as well. Uh, we had Sam on talking about Go and we didn't dip into it too much, but Go has then settled on its kind of uh, minimum version selection method, which is a kind of hack taking on that problem, but it it pushes the problem out rather than being like, oh, well, we won't worry about the sat solver trying to get through this. Instead, it requires the maintainers to be actively bumping and making sure that they're describing if their package works with all of the dependencies that they have when major versions come out. And it kind of half tackles that problem, but also completely misses the mark because as you mentioned, like doing something automatically would enable that to continue working when someone, say, stops 
maintaining a particular library, that kind of like gets stuck if you don't have a human in the middle there right now. So I don't think they've solved it directly, but at least they've taken a slightly different approach. And it's an interesting experiment. I'm not sure if it's worked out particularly well. Go people would probably say it's worked out well for them. But I get the feeling that a lot of packages have basically like stopped bumping major version numbers to avoid the whole system is their way of working around that rather than properly describing all of their dependencies in a complete way. Yeah, and that kind of topic would be something really interesting to see what the Go people figured out and get their insights at PackagingCon, for example. That would be great. And we're really excited to kind of foster this exchange of ideas. Uh, I might be able to tease a talk that comes out of the Conforge community here, where one of our community members has worked on extracting symbols from all the packages that are available on Conforge and put them into a large database. And hopefully at some point we can use this database to kind of figure out when was some symbol removed or some function definition changed and things like this to kind of get more interesting metadata that we can use to figure out compatibilities and maybe enable better metadata. The packaging con call for papers is currently open. What kind of speakers are you looking to attract? We'd really like to attract uh, developers of package managers and packaging community people to speak and share their experiences, their lessons learned, and show us what cool things they are working on and inspire everybody to learn from each other. And people should have lots of experience already and be dab hands at giving talks, right? Not at all. Like You could be uh, absolutely newcomer to conferences and all of that. And we hopefully can make sure that you will feel very welcome and we are more than happy to have new people coming in. And this is a virtual conference. Conferences aren't really happening in person again due to the pandemic. But was this something that you thought would make a good virtual conference or would you really have liked to be able to do this in person? I would have loved to do this in person, but I think running this as a virtual conference also gives us some opportunities because it makes it much easier for people to attend and the cost of kind of attending a new conference that hasn't happened before is very low. So hopefully we have a nice turnout, but obviously there are some challenges and one decision that should make it easier for speakers and hopefully also more interesting for conference goers is to have the talks live. So... There is not going to be pre-recorded talks. And also we work with a foundation called NumFocus, which is running a lot of conferences these days. And they will help us with their expertise to make this a really nice experience for everyone, hopefully. And obviously you're kind of missing the hallway track of an in-person conference. How are you planning to get people to kind of discuss the talks after the videos have kind of been published, where do you go from there to continue the conversation and keep that community going and thinking about the kinds of problems that they will have been exposed to during the conference? Yeah, that's really the difficult part with virtual conferences to recreate the hallway track. We're going to use one software where you can like work around with an avatar and meet the other people in a virtual space. We're not quite sure how well this is going to work. 
but hopefully we can figure out a way to have open uh, rooms where people can just join and start discussing with other attendees. And do you think that this could become a regular event? Is there enough content to keep doing, say, a yearly packaging content? Is there enough people doing enough new and interesting things in package management every year? So at the first meeting we had with the organization committee for PackagingCon, everybody already started diving into the details of their different package managers and package management solutions and started discussing how, how they are doing things. And that was really great to see, basically, that there's so much energy in this community and interest in learning about the problems and solutions of others. I think package management is a really big topic and it's a really important topic and it has a lot of impact for many companies and systems and everybody basically who's running software on their devices. And so I could absolutely foresee it to become a regular conference and that's also the plan. And I really hope that there's enough content to keep going with this. So if people want to learn more about Condorforge and Mamba, where's the best place for them to go for that? The best place to learn about Condorforge is the Condorforge website at condorforge.org. And to learn about Mamba, currently it's the Read the Docs page or the GitHub repository. And you can also join us on our Gitter channels. Gitter is a chat platform. You can just log in with your GitHub account and go to the Quantstack lobby where you can discuss about Mamba or the Condorforge lobby to discuss about Condorforge. But you can also ask questions on the Condorforge channel about Mamba and I will be there. And we'll get links to those in the show notes. And what about you? Where should people go to learn more about you? You can always find my GitHub profile at Wolf and uh, there's my email. You can shoot me an email. And lastly, PackagingCon. Where should people go to learn more about attending? And if people were interested in submitting a talk, where should they go for that? We have a website at packaging-con.org and there are two buttons to register as an attendee and to submit a talk. Uh, we've got a bit more information and the deadline for the submissions for the talks is going to be on the 31st of August. So I hope this is enough time for everyone to prepare well, this has got me very excited. I'm really looking forward to packaging con. I might even submit a talk myself for some stuff that I've been experimenting with recently around packaging and content addressing. Thank you very much for coming on and sharing it and uh, look forward to definitely attending the conference and helping to get more uh, knowledge sharing out into the package management world is an excellent reason for putting on an event like this. Yeah, thanks for having me. That was really great. And if anybody in the community has ideas what we should do at PackagingCon, then also feel free to contact me and tell me what you think we should be doing. And we really look forward to this event. And I think we're all excited to talk about our different solutions and all of that. Thanks very much and goodbye. Bye-bye.